Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Hope Community Church Podcast. Hope exists to love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And we believe that as we partner with God in His mission that we can see a world changed. Listen, if you're looking for notes to the message you're about to hear or links to other messages, we want to encourage you to check out the link in our description. If you're looking for more content and resources that we believe will be a blessing to your life, feel free to check out our YouTube channel or download our free app, which is available right now. If this message is a blessing for you, we want you to consider sharing it with your friends and family as we hope to get the message of Jesus spread across the globe. Thanks for joining us. You've been in a series in Daniel, Thriving in Babylon, chapter one, they were taken in captivity, chapter two, this amazing display of God's provision comes upon uh, Daniel, and, and then we get to chapter three. So why don't we just dive right into it? Chapter three, the book of Daniel, verse one, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth six cubits. Okay, uh, wherever you are, just say 60 cubits on the count of three. One, two, three. Okay, that was, that was really good. Uh, now let's say six cubits on the count of three. One, two, three. Okay, does anyone know what that is? I had to Google it too. I mean, we know what a gallon of milk is because you open up the fridge and there it is. Is But when you start talking about this statue, it's hard to wrap our brains around it. So let me help us with this. Uh, this is either an elongated, like you could say, platter, like a disc, an obelisk. Uh, there's an Aramaic word here that's used that actually would be closer to a disc. I know sometimes when we think about this, this throne, or excuse me, this um, statue that Nebuchadnezzar is making, uh, we think of it being more like the Statue of Liberty or... Uh, if you've ever watched the Oscars, that little golden dude that they hand to people. The truth is, is it could be one or the other. We don't really know. The archaeological evidence uh, is, is there and one or the other. We just never really found it. And so the other question I had when I read this is not only how big is it, what is it, but where did he get all this gold? I mean, because the amount of gold that we're going to discover that this is, it's quite a bit. Where did he get it? Ezekiel 7, 19. You don't have to flip there in your Bible. I'll read it for you. The Jews, uh, there was a prophecy that their gold would be used for idols. And so here's a historical fulfillment of the prophet Ezekiel. They will throw their silver into streets and their gold will be treated as a thing unclean. Their silver and gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. And so Nebuchadnezzar takes all of God's gold here and he makes it into an idol. And this isn't in my message necessarily for a point, but I just want to remind us that you can do whatever you want with God's money. You can take God's money and you can actually use it for idols if you choose. You can use it to build your kingdom. You can use it to build his kingdom. You can choose what you want to do with God's money and you have a choice here even at Hope. And can I just encourage you as a guest to continue to sow, continue to invest, continue to really take that resource that God has given you and sow it into the mission and vision that God has here all throughout, all throughout this metro area. The reality is, is, is you get to choose what you're going to do with God's provision for you. 
And I'm challenged in that. And I know sometimes when you talk about money, we get a little bit scared of it because if you've ever been to church, you might have had a bad experience before at a church, like with people or with a situation. Anybody or is it just me? Because the truth is, is church hurt sometimes is the worst hurt. And my prayer is that in this season of you here sowing and investing and trying to like navigate this faith journey at Hope in this community, uh, all the different locations, my hope is that God would use this season to start to heal the baggage that maybe some of you have when it comes to the church and money. Because it's true, we, we've been hurt before. But you got to take a look at this just a little bit closer to reference of chapter 2 because Nebuchadnezzar makes this statue um, in chapter 3. But in chapter 2, the statue, if you remember, had four different parts. You can read for yourself the statue that was in the dream and it had a top of gold and iron and thighs of bronze and the chest and arms of silver and the, the feet of bronze and or excuse me of, of iron and clay and we're sort of living in the toes if you will of, of chapter two and so you, you get this picture of a statue with very clear four parts and then you see Nebuchadnezzar making this statue and it's only got one part arguably and it's all gold none of the other metals are represented and I think there's a definite defiance to the word of God the first point that I want to just leave you with is just simply this truth. We have king's ears. We've got ears like Nebuchadnezzar. You ever hear this thing called selective hearing? Some of you aren't even listening. <laughs> My kids have selected hearing. Maybe your kids have selected hearing or your grandkids, they have selected hearing. I mean, hey, I'm talking to my kid. Xavier, clean up your room. Xavier, clean up your room. Xavier, it's time to eat. All right, I'm coming down. <laughs> we have selective hearing. My wife says that I have selected hearing. She says this to me. I don't really like, agree I wasn't listening. Some of you don't get that joke, but it was funny. <laughs> the truth is, is we have king's ears, just like Nebuchadnezzar heard about this statue in four parts. He makes the one of gold out of one part and, and we do this with the word of God that's good Jesus but it's really not for me it says it in your word I know it's there but I'm going to probably just overlook that part I know what you said but I'm going to do you know what I want and the truth is is that's not a crazy stretch Sometimes when the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the word and it challenges us, it stretches us, sometimes we just are wishing we didn't or hadn't read or didn't hear that message. Thomas Jefferson, he had a Bible that he had created called the Jeffersonian Bible, uh, of which he basically took the Bible and then he just ripped out the pages that he didn't want in there. Now, you're not going to find that at a Christian bookstore. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, talk to somebody at uh, one of your campuses or here and just make sure that you ask them for a Bible or just stay at a hotel. <laughs> There's one in the drawer. I don't even know why we sell these anymore. This is where I got this one at a continental breakfast. 
But it's not that like far of a stretch. So my question is, is if we have king's ears, have you created your own version of the Bible? What parts are you tearing out? I hear it all the time because like as a pastor, people ask me this question. Pastor Eric, what is your stance or what is your church's stance on fill in the blank? Shouldn't that question be, what are Jesus' teachings? What does the word of God say on the issue blank that should shape how I live and feel and act and breathe about that issue? We love to have king's ears. And so my question for you, if we're going to have selective hearing, uh, how do we move to have sacred hearing? I mean, if Nebuchadnezzar just disregards chapter 2 and he makes his own statue, and that same thing happens in us, it certainly was something that Thomas Jefferson did. We got to ask this question. If you want to have sacred hearing, ask the Holy Spirit this question. What am I not responding to that your word has very made clear that I should respond in? That's a good question for us all to ask. Let's continue to read. that's, That's verse 1 of chapter three. We're gonna be here a while. There's this gold statue, it's 90 by nine by 4.5 feet. One cubic foot is approximately 27,000 cubic centimeters. I don't wanna bore you with the detail, but if you took that cubic centimeter value of, of metal and you made it into like the troy ounce, which is how you measure precious metals today, going back to how they measured it in the city of Troy, it would be approximately 16,770 troy ounces of gold. Now you take the spot price today of gold, and you would really get a numeric value of this statue if it was solid gold, not plated, of 291 billion dollars that's how expensive this statue is that's hard for us to wrap our brain around the cubits and even the cost 291 billion bucks i mean we know what five bucks is because your kids ask you for it all the time but the truth is is like let me help you with this okay whether you go to bojangles okay where's my bojangles people at let me hear you Okay, that's great. Some of you will see the light eventually. Where's my Chick-fil-A people? And you're like, yeah, Chick-fil-A. Okay, all right, fine. That's, that's your choice if you want to live that way. Uh, but where are the people that have seen the light? They understand themselves. They're full of, of zeal. And uh, the, the Holy Spirit is real, real to them, the truth that Popeye's chicken sandwiches are the best on earth. Let me hear you. Wow, there's like four of you clapping like campus-wide. That's encouraging for me. I would argue that, notice I didn't say Cain's chicken, because Cain's is, (laughs) I know that like as you're watching this, there was someone that shouted there too, so Cain's chicken, let's be honest, Um, well Cain killed Abel, so let's not even... The reality is this, I'm just saying to you, if it's $3.99 for the chicken sandwich of your choice, USD, that statue is worth 73 billion chicken sandwiches. I know this is helping you understand how much 
this statue's worth. So let me continue. There's about 400 people here gathered right now where I am in, in the space-time continuum. And so if we were going to take that, that would be 182 or 182.2 million chicken sandwiches per person. The average lifespan of a human is 85 years. Unless you're my grandma Hicks, it's 104. That would be two million, 2.1 million chicken sandwiches a year. Uh, so your 4.4 million sort of average seconds in your life, you amortize that, excuse me, minutes in your life, you amortize that data out, and it really comes down to 5.2 Popeyes, Bojangles, Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches per minute of your entire life from birth to 85. Does that help? You're like, yeah, it's really clear now. Some of you are like, can you do that with Frappuccinos? <laughs> but the truth is, is it is a lot of cash that's set up. Verse 1 continuing. He set it up in the plain of Dura, uh, the place of dwelling in the province of Babylon. Now, Dura is a plain in the city of Babylon. And if you've studied this in this series, the Euphrates goes right down the middle of it. You got these walls. It's this amazing ancient city. And the plain of Dura is actually where the Tower of Babel was placed. I find that extremely interesting. That the same place they're putting this idol is the same place this tower could have been placed. Which leads me to my second point of my message is just simply, Babylon has visible idols. And Christians, we have a lot of hidden ones. I mean, we see the visible ones of like money, success, Gucci, fame, like all these idols we love to label. But then us or you or me as followers of Jesus, if you've been following Jesus for, for 10 minutes or 10 years, the truth is, is we love to hide our idols of comfort or security. I know a lot of pastors that their brand of their church is their idol. I mean, we could go through the list, the approval of others, the way it used to be, our social influence, our desire to be right. My question for you, as the Holy Spirit's been asking me, what are the idols in your life that you have hidden? What are the things that are obvious to everyone? But what are the things that are inside that secret place in your heart? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you? Verse 2, chapter 3 of the book of Daniel. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent together with the stirraps, a Persian word for protector of the realm, the prefects, the ones who serve them, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the officials, the magistrates, they all get into this room, verse 3, and while they're all there, the king gathered them to dedicate this statue. Now, 16 years have passed from this moment where they're going to dedicate at the end of chapter 2 to this part in chapter 3. 16 years went by where Nebuchadnezzar had this encounter with God after Daniel interpreted the dream of the four-part statue and he makes this decree that Daniel's God is God and he simply has this amazing moment that we see in scripture at the end of chapter 2. 16 years go by and now they're all gathered around this statue that Nebuchadnezzar had built. So when did the change take place? Like this amazing zeal for Daniel's God, then 16 years later, now we're looking 
at this dedication ceremony for a huge golden idol and you're having everybody gather? The truth is, I think I want to just remind us and remind ourselves that time will reduce our zeal for fill in the blank. Time will reduce your zeal for working out. How many of you at a New Year's portion of your life, you get to the end of the year and then you're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to work out more. And you get a gym membership and then you never use it. Or you like kind of fade off. Show of hands, wherever you are, just raise it up. If you've ever gotten a gym membership and you realize you canceled it because you never used it, put it up, admit it, look around. There's more of you statistically. Because the truth is, is 48% of people at the end of the year make this New Year's resolution that they want to exercise more. 23% quit within the first week. Only 36% make it in the first month. And 9% of the 48% actually successfully keep their New Year's resolution of working out. Time will reduce your zeal for fill in the blank. If there's a new pizza place that you try and you try it and then you go there the 10th time, you eventually find a different restaurant because time will reduce your zeal for blank. How many of you have ever worked at a restaurant? Which, by the way, I think that should be a requirement for every single one of us as Americans as a path to citizenship. You should be required to be a server because then we all are in that situation where we realize that the ranch that you keep asking for is not that important. Some of you need to tone it back on the ranch anyway. The truth is, in this place, if you've ever worked at a restaurant, I know people that eventually don't eat at that restaurant. Why? Because you get sick of the menu. Because time will reduce your zeal for fill in the blank. And you can put a whole bunch of things in that space, but what we saw in this space from two to three in the book of Daniel is... Time reduces Nebuchadnezzar's zeal for the God of Daniel. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let that happen to hope. Don't let that happen to to your own personal journey with Jesus. Don't let time erode it. Because the truth is, is there are these teams, there are these things that happen in church settings like this when you're in community over time you're going to have conflict you're going to have conversations you're going to have circumstance that are going to come up and you're going to have this moment as an attender or a a member or a contributing like a person here that's digging in uh, at hope and all the mission and vision that this church has you're, you're going to come to a crossroads where you're going to be in a spot where you're going to want to fight you're going to you're going to want to flight, but can I encourage you just simply stay? Mother Teresa of Calcutta isn't Mother Teresa of Calcutta because she decided to go somewhere else. St. Augustine of Hippo, there's this geographical location that's associated with his zeal. Can I encourage you in that? Because as a pastor, I think a lot of Christians suffer from Christian party syndrome. Like we get like to a party and we're like, man, this place is awesome. The donuts are popping. Coffee's hot. Kids ministry is great. 
small groups and all these things. And we got, this is awesome. And then a couple months, couple years, a little bit later with some circumstance and some conflict and you could say some conversations and some different changes or transition, then we're like, you know, we should go find a new party. This place is getting a little awkward, if you will. Don't let this happen to you. Don't let this happen to the movement that God is doing here with you and through you. Don't suffer from Christian party syndrome because time will reduce your zeal for you can fill in the blank. What God is doing here at this church in the kingdom of God, can I just remind you, it's going to take time. And the angels, or excuse me, and the herald proclaimed out loud, you commanded, O peoples, nations, languages, that when you hear the Babylonian Philharmonic, you're supposed to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not worship will be thrown into the fiery furnace. Notice he calls people here uh, to worship, not to um, obey. And I want to remind you just of this truth that in Babylon, if you're really going to thrive in Babylon, just take note of the fact that in Babylon, uh, there will be a promise of acceptance and there will be a promise of, you could say, threat of persecution to get you to worship. And if you worship the wrong things, uh, you will never possibly be obedient to God. But if we're going to move from this idea of worship being obedience or obedience leading us to worship, then this is the pure church I think Jesus is talking about in John 14, 15. If you love me, obey my commands. Notice he doesn't say worship my commands. He says obey them. John 14, 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he will obey, he will obey, they will obey. You will obey that teaching. There's something about obeying Christ that leads us to the proper worship. But we can worship the wrong things and disobey Christ all along the way. So what do you choose to worship? Who do you choose to worship? Might be a question for you. Read on in verse 8. Therefore, the time of the certain Chaldeans came forward and they accused the king, Nebuchadnezzar. King, live forever. You've made a decree that everyone, when they heard the Babylonian Philharmonic, was supposed to bow down. You made a decree. And because you made a decree, there are certain Jews that you've appointed to places of leadership, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set back up. So let's go back for a second. Exodus 20, uh, you don't have to go there. Just write it down in the margin of your Bible or just take a note. You can read it for yourself, Deuteronomy 5. Number one, you shall not have any other gods before me. So Nebuchadnezzar's got this idol, this God. He says he's a God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, check number one. You shall not make idols. There's literally a gold statue or a gold disc. Doesn't matter what it is. There's an idol in front of them. Check number two. And then lastly, you shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. Now, swearing isn't the issue here. What we're talking about is asking or acting as if you are a follower of Christ and then you live or act as you don't. You take the name of Christian, but then you actually live uh, anti-Christ. Does that make sense to you? 
taking that Lord's name in vain. So they're like, check, one, check, two, and then they get to three. They're like, this is a three strike. You're out, check, check, check. There's no way we can do this. Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that is so fun to say. Don't ever name your kids that. No offense if you did. My kids have really strange names. Xavier, Xander, and Zeta Everdon. They're 14, 11, and 9. Let's just pray for me right now. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said, Hey, listen, is it true, guys, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? Listen, if you are going to do this, when you hear the music play, you better fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you're going to be immediately cast in the fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response. You can read it for yourself. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 it needs to be on a Bible, or excuse me, on a, a crocheted pillow at a Christian bookstore. And notice there's all kinds of verses that you'll see at a Christian bookstore. You know, like the one about wings of eagles mounting up, right? You've heard, give us our daily bread. Like real inspirational, you know, sort of, um, you could say scripture pieces. You never go into a Christian bookstore and see the one where two female bears came out of the woods and ate 42 boys. That's never on a coffee cup at a Christian bookstore. Although it'd be awesome. Uh, you're just sipping your coffee with your kids and you just kind of point at it. Anyway, moving on. But I think this would be a great poster. Like I think this would be a great piece of art. I love their response. They say, King, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God who we serve will deliver us from the fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, king. But if not, let it be known to you, king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I love this. And I'm also challenged by this because sometimes I have to ask this question for myself, which do I live? Like, what do I live? God is God if he does fill in the blank or what we see here in Daniel chapter 3 it certainly challenges me God is God if he does blank comma but if he doesn't he's still God like which do you want to live which are we to live this conditional view or this worship this obedience I'm challenged with this because I don't always necessarily have this contract with God. Maybe you're like me. Like, God, you're still God if you do blank, but if you don't, you're still God. But I kind of want it my way. But if you, if you don't, but it's okay, but not really. Like, we kind of circled the wagon a couple times. And they didn't. They just said, if God delivers us, great. If not, then we're dead. I want you to understand something about thriving in Babylon in the environment that we are in in America. As a guest, I have to be careful on sort of how much I 
interact with my opinion to humbly serve the leadership here. But I think we can all agree that we are moving in a season where I believe obedience in the face of consequences uh, will become the sort of normal Christian life for us. Like there are, there are some things that are in our society that when you obey the word of God, there could be consequences that you face because you're obedient to God. What will it cost? What will it gain? I guess that's the question I'm asking. Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. He was angry. And the expression of his face changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the fiery furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. Verse 20. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to, build, to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them in the furnace. And these men bound their cloaks, tunics, hats, and all their other garments. And they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Because the king's order was so urgent, the furnace overheated and the men that threw him in actually died. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell into the fiery furnace. And so you got this furnace that takes place. And I'm going to kind of just show you what happened. He heats it seven times up. And I think there's this huge burst of energy and all these people die. At least the guys that bound them. They fall into the furnace. Verse 24, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished because what he saw changed everything. He ordered that this furnace was heated 10 times hotter. But the truth is, is he looks into the furnace and he sees this fourth person. He's wondering, did we not throw three men were bound their cloaks? Verse 21, these three men, they were thrown in. But wait a second. He rises up in haste, verse 25, and he says, I see four men unbound walking in the midst, and they're not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the fiery furnace, and they came out of the furnace, and the king's counselors gathered, verse 27, and saw that the fire had not had any power over their bodies or the men or the fire that had come upon them. They literally walk out of this whole thing unscathed. Okay? It was amazing. So the, the guys that threw him in there died. But then like the, the, the miracles that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, this church has got insurance, right? Like all your campuses. Okay, let's just try this here. So they're not burned. Okay. I mean, I don't know, like, anybody want to see that again? So in the Bible, there's no smell, but up here, uh, my arm hair is definitely singed. So they come out of the fire unscathed, and Nebuchadnezzar says, Blessed the God be of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel, delivered his servants, who trusted him, obeyed his commands, not my commands, yielded their bodies rather than serve or worship any god other than their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any nation or language that speaks against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. And there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. The king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of 
Babylon. Like this moment happens, this supernatural event. What I find interesting is the three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they don't appear anywhere else in the book of Daniel. What's even more interesting, there's not really a direct mention of them ever again in scripture. It's just this one little window. It's just this one little door. It's this little thing we get to peer into and see. But there is a bit of scholarly debate. I would lean this way. In the third chapter of Zechariah 3, verse 6, the angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you walk in obedience, everybody say the word obedience. One, two, three. If you walk in to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts and I will give you a place among these standing here. Now, what's interesting about that is what could be happening is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could be standing there. Here's what you need to take away from this story. It's just this simple truth. The furnace has got two doors. The fiery furnace had the one door that Nebuchadnezzar threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in. And then, very much metaphorically, as you flip through the pages of of God's word, If you look through the chapters unwritten in your life, when you are obedient, another door shows up. In this obedience, just like Nebuchadnezzar, he walked through this second door. Your obedience to God opens the door for other people to encounter God. There's two doors on that furnace. One that went in and one that opened because they were obedient in Nebuchadnezzar's life. And so the people in your life that you are passionate about, that you love, that you want to see encounter the risen Christ, you, you got to understand they're watching your obedience or your disobedience. And that door will open because your obedience opens the door for other people to encounter God. So my question is just simply this question. What will your continued obedience do for you? I mean, we know what that looks like. But sometimes we don't think about the Nebuchadnezzars in our life that are watching. The people that come after. They may forget you. You may never be mentioned again. But they won't forget the obedience that you had to Jesus. Because the obedience to God that you carry out opens the door for others to experience God. So what doors, what doors are you needing to be obedient in? Like what's the area in your life that the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you through his word or through worship or through prayer as you've sought an answer? What, what has the Holy Spirit whispered to you that it's time to be obedient in this? Because I'm telling you, as I've experienced in my own life, the obedience that God calls me to do, it's not just for me. It's for everybody watching.
and it will open the door for people in your life to experience God. So what is it? I want you to think about that. What is it that God's calling you to obedient to? Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.